0: You've endorsed more than 330 candidates this election cycle. Uh, Tonight, win or lose, the results for Republicans, um, how much of that will be because of Donald Trump?
1: Well, I think if they win, I should get all the credit, and if they lose, I should not be blamed at all.
2: (laughs) Classic. chair and i'm wondering how i get down the stairs clowns to the left of me jokers to the right here i am stuck in the middle with you i am from pacifica radio in los angeles this is the broadcast as heard on kpfk 90.7 fm in la Also in California, in Red Bluff and Redding, on KFOI, Round Mountains KKRN, and Eureka's KGOE, counting votes everywhere. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast, on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's KSO, Eugene's KEPW, Lancaster, Pennsylvania's WLRI, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU, in Columbus, Ohio, on WGRN, Palinville, New York's WLPP, Rochester, New York's WRFZ, Down in New Orleans on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico on KNIZ, Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas's KPSQ, in Seattle on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's. AM 950K TNF. We also stream coast to coast and around the globe every day on the internets on the Progressive Voices channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdon Square Radio, and Detour Talk, amongst other fine affiliates. Blanketing Planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly, investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all around swell fellow. Says me, says everyone I know from (laughs) bradblog.com. Thank you very much for joining us as we are still fighting like hell for nearly 20 years now and 10, count them 10, full general elections to protect what is left of your democracy. And occasionally we even win a fight or two. Yay. Welcome to your Friendly Neighborhood broadcast. Glad to have you here. Glad to have you here, Desi Doyen. hope you got some rest last night. A bit. Okay, good. Resting a
0: bit easier, shall we say.
2: Oh, there you go. Well, it was, in fact, a long night, though I do realize it was even longer, much, much longer for our friends on the East Coast on Tuesday night. So, uh, yeah, we're still a little bit exhausted, still reeling from it all, and still trying to make sense of it all, as we do Uh, with likely more long nights to come, frankly. But given what we know as of Wednesday morning, well, warning, there may be just a few I told you so's throughout today's broadcast. (laughs) And welcome to it. Uh, It it should have been an easy red wave for Republicans, according to the so-called conventional wisdom that we have been advising you for months now to completely ignore. You're welcome. During their uh, first terms in the White House, for example, Bill Clinton lost more than 60 Democratic seats in the U.S. House for his party. Barack Obama lost more than 50 seats. And Donald Trump lost over 40 seats for his party for Republicans. Again, in their first terms in the White House during the midterms. The GOP should have had a red wave on Tuesday night. But as it turns out, and as we tried to gently advise you, would likely be the case, they didn't. They ran a bunch of nutballs, and their positions are otherwise, by and large, very unpopular with the American people, so much so that uh, they've had to game congressional and state legislative districts, the Republicans, through gerrymandering to even have a shot at taking back you know, control of the House, even in a year with an historically unpopular Democratic president. Add to the woes for Republicans that for some reason the corporate media decided to double back on in recent weeks in an inexcusable, really an inexcusable game of groupthink. You know, if if we offer them the least nefarious reasons, the media, for their failure to inform the American electorate And uh, to their failure to democracy itself, overturning the, you know, the Republican problems that they faced, the headwinds that they faced, that we always knew they faced, were the, uh, you know, the fact that their Supreme Court overturned the privacy rights and constitutional freedoms of Roe v. Wade, And that move remains wildly unpopular, no matter how many times the media hoped to pretend that all voters cared about is the economy, which, by the way, other than the global global problem of inflation, is actually pretty damn good here in the U.S. right now. So no matter what ends up happening with ultimate control of the U.S. House and Senate in the next term, and both are still very much in play, Uh, As we go to air, but just barely in both cases, there was no red wave. And so many in the corporate media were dumb enough or lazy enough, I don't know, or corrupt enough to play along with Republicans to pretend, you know, that what was coming, uh, they were doing this in recent weeks. And potentially depressing the electorate in the bargain as they acted as if it was all over for Democrats before Election Day even began.
0: They've been doing that for months.
2: Uh, Yeah. And, you know, and this was before any not even a single vote was counted. And they were doing this for months again, potentially depressing the electorate. Also worth noting today. And and the, the media is going to have some splaining to do as far as I'm concerned, but also worth noting today, whatever the final number of pickups for the GOP in the House at this point, it will end up being the smallest such pickup, smallest such number during an unpopular presidency since at least the 1950s. And it is worth remembering that while bill clinton lost 54 seats in 1994 barack obama lost 63 seats in 2010 while we don't know yet how many seats democrats will end up losing here it will not come anywhere close to either of those numbers and is more likely to be i don't know 10 or less if that much but in both cases with those huge losses under clinton and under obama Both of those Democratic presidents eventually went on to win re-election to second terms nonetheless. Just keep that in mind. I I just mentioned that before, you know, anybody starts counting any 2024 chickens in the days ahead, which everyone's going to do anyway, no matter my advice. But I thought I would mention it. A friend and listener with whom I've been uh, kibitzing back and forth via private message over the past few days uh, who had explained how Democrats were absolutely going to take a very bad loss this year. Uh, he had suggested that they could lose as many as 30 seats in the House and that it was all due to what he said was perceived, uh, you know by the American people, perceived to be a bad economy. Plus this is the midterm the first midterm election of a new presidency, which, as conventional wisdom has it, in midterms in modern times, means that the party in power will take a beating. And of course, that is the same conventional wisdom that we have been repeatedly repeatedly urging you for months to, you know, since early spring to ignore this year, given that these are, for many reasons, decidedly unconventional times. I'm sure you're sick of hearing it by now. I was sick of saying it for all of all of those months. But I tried to explain uh, to to our friend that actual independently verifiable data did not suggest that the Dems were going to take that beating uh, as even the corporate media continued to parrot those claims without the data to back it up, often in defiance of their own polling. For Christ's sake, they did that over and over in the past, what? Three weeks at least. And that media, as far as I'm concerned, as I said, has some splaining to do, though they will probably, you know, turn on a dime instead from where did the Democrats go wrong as they were reporting over and over before the election to, well, where did the Republicans go wrong? They will not take a second to wonder where they went wrong.
0: Of course not. I mean, they've insisted all along that voters were only interested in what Republicans said voters were (laughs) interested in. Right. So it's going to be a while, it probably never, before they actually do any self reflection on that, because not. that's what we have seen them do since. Good lord, always.
2: Time immemorial. Uh, again, my my friend, who is a regular listener, insisted in our conversation that, well, you know, sometimes you just you got to take your lumps in politics. It's going to be a bad year for Democrats. Uh, you know, disappointments come with the territory and politics, and it does, of course. But it was clear, at least to me, that the corporate media were getting this one wrong. And that their group think was, you know, propelling them over a prediction cliff, just like it did in 2016 when they insisted that Hillary Clinton could never lose to, to Donald Trump. Of course, we told you otherwise on this program back then as well. In fact, if anything, uh, as Desi can probably attest, I have been trying to hold off on sharing too much of the encouraging data with you in recent weeks because I didn't want to get anyone's hopes up. And because am I telling the truth? Yes. yes, (laughs) Also, I, I you know, it just seemed so impossible that so many in the media could be so wrong all at once. I thought, you know, oh, it must be me. It must be wishful thinking, despite the data that was in front of our faces.
0: Well, yeah, the data in front of our faces conflicted with the media's predetermined narrative.
2: In any event, my, uh, my friend wrote this morning to say, uh, quote, congrats, Brad, what you have been <laughs> saying concerning the 2020 midterms turned out to be true, adding that if it weren't for gerrymandering in Florida and elsewhere, the Democrats would have held the House. Yep, it, it, uh, it, it does look as that. Uh, as we'd also warned, it, it looks like gerrymandering is likely to give the GOP the seats that they need to win the House. That is if they win it. I should note that Democrats still could end up holding the House. It will be a very tough climb. And yes, as suggested on our previous broadcast, it all might very well come down to House contests here in California, uh, where few have been paying attention over these many weeks and where it can take as long as a month to get certified results, which could only then be challenged via recount, so it could take a while. In any event, my friend added uh, it's still likely that the Democrats will hold the Senate, but once more, he says that will come down to Georgia, Georgia, Georgia. Uh, yeah, and though I'm not sure uh, I'm I'm prepared to say that it is likely that the Democrats will hold the Senate, not yet, uh, even if I do uh, think it's... You know, more likely than not. How's that? That they will. But that, too, is going to be a tough climb at this hour before all is said and done, including what looks like another U.S. Senate runoff indeed headed our way in Georgia yet again uh, this year on December 6th. This time that may end up determining who wins majority control of the upper chamber next year feel like we've seen this be- this story before
0: yes we have
2: now i really hope that the good voters of georgia are not yet sick of saving american democracy for us uh but it is looking more and more like at this hour uh you know as if we're going to have to ask them to do exactly that yet again for all of us this year so my apologies and my great thanks in advance to the Peach State voters. On a lighter note, as Washington Post's Dave Weigel quipped during Tuesday's late, late, late night, quote, Midterm message so far is clear. Voters want more crime and (laughs) completely open borders. (laughs) So, uh, not entirely, but it is a funny line, and uh, while there is still much we do not know, including which party will ultimately control either of the chambers of Congress. Uh, it was, frankly, the worst red wave ever. Or, depending on how one looks at it, the best red wave ever.
0: That's my kind of
2: red wave. Take your pick. Yeah. Republicans, of course, are unhappy. And once again, they are beginning to second guess their infatuation with and domination by their corrupt former president, who's Hand-picked candidates lost in a whole bunch of key uh, races on Tuesday, costing Republicans a whole bunch of what should have been very easy wins for them in a year like this. Before we dive into some state-by-state details, uh, the big picture as we go to air today, and these numbers could change by tomorrow or even you know before we're done with today's program. But in the Senate, Democrats and Republicans have each been projected, by the media anyway, to have won 48 seats, with four states still unprojected. That would be Alaska, Arizona, Georgia, and Nevada. Now, uh, it's almost certain that a Republican, either Murkowski or Chewbacca, will win in Alaska. My best guess is it's going to be Murkowski. She's uh, down a few points right now, but the state now uses ranked-choice voting, which will likely propel her from second place to first place by the end of the long-counting process in Alaska. So it's really more like uh, 49 to 48. 49 Republicans, 48 Democrats, as of right now in the Senate, with Democrats needing to win... um, to, to, to hold on to uh, to two of the, their uh, current three seats that are uncalled in Arizona, Georgia, and Nevada in order to hold the majority in the Senate. Now, Dems currently lead in two of those three races in Arizona and in Georgia, but with Georgia most likely headed to a December 6th runoff and Republicans leading in Nevada at the moment, with what the so-called experts are telling us still includes a lot of vote to be counted in the Democrats' best strongholds in uh, Nevada, in both uh, Las Vegas and Reno. So, uh, you know, winning all three of those races for the Democrats is not impossible, and that would give Democrats a 51-49 to majority next year. That would be, unfortunately, shy of the 52 that they would need to reform the filibuster, to do critical things like codify Roe v. Wade, pass much-needed voting rights legislation, expand the size of the currently corrupted Supreme Court, but it would allow them to continue appointing federal judges, among other critical things. In the House, depending on uh, who you ask, 209 seats have been projected for Republicans, 193 at this time projected for Democrats. A majority is 218. So Republicans need to pick up only nine more seats out of the 33 uncalled seats at this hour. Uh, The Democrats lead in many of them. The math, frankly, is too difficult For a non-professional like me to be able to fully comprehend right now in the House.
0: True, but the number you need to think about if you want Democrats to retain control of the House, the number is 218.
2: 218. Uh, And it is still not impossible that they could do that, that they could run the table and hold on to control of the House. Uh, It's also possible that Republicans could win it by as little as one single seat. Given how many unprojected House seats are currently in California alone and how slowly we count votes out here, it may be days, potentially even weeks, before an official projection from the media on that on the House. And yes, as we discussed on yesterday's broadcast, uh, the huge downpour that blew through both the northern and southern parts of the state here in California on Election Day could as we warned, end up helping to determine which party ultimately controls the U.S. House next year. The President of the United States, Joe Biden, uh, at the White House on Wednesday, uh, answered questions from reporters about the election. Uh, Before he did that, he offered a few remarks. Here are some of those comments.
1: It was a good day, I think, for democracy. And it was a good day for America. Our democracy has been tested in recent years, but uh, with their votes, uh, the American people have spoken and proven once again that democracy is who we are. The states across the country uh, saw record voter turnout, and the heart and soul of our democracy, the voters, the poll workers, the election officials, uh, they uh, did their job uh, and they fulfilled their duty, and apparently without much uh, interference at all, without any interference, it looks like. And that's a testament, I think, to the American people. While we don't know all the results yet, at least I don't know them all yet, uh, here's what we do know: While the press and the pundits are predicting a giant red wave, uh, it didn't happen. And I know you were somewhat miffed by my my, uh, obsessive optimism, but uh, I felt good during the whole process. I thought we were going to do fine. While any seat lost is painful, Some good Democrats didn't win the last night. Democrats had a strong night, and we lost fewer seats in the House of Representatives than any Democratic president's first midterm election in the last 40 years. And we had the best midterm for governors since 1986. And another thing that we know is that voters uh, spoke clearly about their concerns about raising costs, the rising costs that they're in, and the need to get inflation down. There's still a lot of people hurting. They're very concerned. And it's about crime and public safety. And they sent a clear and unmistakable message that they want to uh, preserve our democracy and protect the right to choose uh, in this country. And I especially want to thank the young people of this nation who I'm told, I haven't seen the numbers, uh, voted historic numbers again, and uh, just as they did two years ago. They voted to continue addressing the climate crisis, gun violence, their personal rights and freedoms, and the student debt relief. So let me close with this. On this election season, the American people made it clear. They don't want every day going forward to be a constant political battle. There's too much that of that going on. And there's too much that we have to do. The future of America is too promising too promising to be trapped in an endless political warfare. We need to be looking to the future, not fixated on the past. This is a great nation, and we're a great people. And I'm pretty well convinced that we're going to be able to get a lot done.
2: That was the maddeningly optimistic President (laughs) Biden speaking at the White House uh, following the Wednesday, I'm sorry, the Tuesday, told you it was exhausting, the Tuesday midterm elections. Let's take a quick break here. We will then step through a whole bunch of key races, both state and federal, and a whole bunch of states to begin making sense of it all, as we always try to do on this program. You're welcome. I'm Brad Friedman, and you are listening to the broadcast, Smartly Done. (laughs) Hmm. <laughs>
1: Sometimes we are lost and astray and those we'll far away. Hold the line. We'll
2: survive. Yup. So let's just smile. Holding today. the line here at the Brad Blog in defense of American democracy. Welcome back to it. I'm Brad Friedman from Bradblog.com. Fox News is Steve Doocy Had some helpful advice this morning uh, about what happened on Tuesday following the uh, midterm elections.
1: When it comes to the state of Pennsylvania, why did Dr. Oz lose? Well, it looks like, according to uh, the exit polling, it's because Fetterman won. Well, there you go. Some more
2: (laughs) helpful... Analysis. Political uh, science and analysis wow. from Fox News, Steve Ducey. So let's run through a bunch of uh, knowns and still unknowns from Tuesday's critical midterms absolutely not red wave elections at this hour. Please note none of these results in any of these races have been verified by actual human beings in any way, much less officially certified. These are all based on media calls and available reported numbers from state officials, which may or may not prove to be perfectly accurate when all is said and done, given that both miscounts and mis programmed computer tabulators and human error and so forth can cause misreporting to uh, come to light in the days ahead. So based on largely calls made by the media at this hour, let's run through some of the key and not so key races in a whole bunch of states in a highly selective rundown here curated by me wholly insufficiently, I should add, and in no particularly brilliant order. <laughs> okay. uh, let's start with some of the biggest news of the night, however. In the only U.S. Senate seat so far flipped by either party, Pennsylvania's Democratic Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman defeated Donald Trump's hand picked TV doctor candidate from uh, New Jersey, that would be Mehmet Oz, uh, to uh, flip. Fetterman was able to flip the U.S. Senate seat, being vacated by the Republican Senator Pat Toomey from red to blue. Here were a few of what we'll call the Senator-elect's remarks to supporters on Tuesday night.
3: We launched this campaign almost two years ago and we had our slogan. Every county, every vote. Every county, every vote. And that's exactly what happened. We jammed them up. We held the line, and tonight, that's why I'll be the next U.S. Senator from Pennsylvania. You know, this campaign has always been about fighting for everyone who's ever been got knocked down, that ever got back up. This race is for the future of every community all across Pennsylvania, for, for every small town or person that ever felt left behind. For every job that was ever been lost, for every factor that was ever closed, for every person that works hard but never got a- ever get ahead, I'm proud of what we ran on protecting a woman's right to choose, raising our minimum wage, fighting the Union way of life. Health care is a fundamental human right. It saved my life and it should all be there for you when you ever should need it. Standing up to corporate greed. Making more things right here in America and right here in Pennsylvania. And standing up for our democracy. Twenty years ago, I came to Braddock to start a GED program, and I've spent these last two decades fighting for the forgotten communities, because no community deserves to be left behind, no one deserves to be abandoned, and every place matters. We bet on the people of Pennsylvania, and you didn't let us down. And my promise to all of you is I will never let you down. Thank you, Pennsylvania. Thank you so much.
2: That was Pennsylvania Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman upon winning his uh, Senate seat, a a, uh, Republican Senate seat, flipping it from Republican to Democratic on Tuesday night. In another critical win for the state and, as importantly, for American democracy itself, Pennsylvania's Democratic Attorney General Josh Shapiro defeated far-right Trump-endorsed Christian nationalist and democracy denier Doug Mastriano. That is a a critically important victory for democracy because, aside from Mastriano being a 2020 election liar who said that he would have certified Biden's Uh, would not have certified Biden's uh, clear victory in the state in 2020 had he been governor at the time in Pennsylvania. The uh, governor in the state also gets to personally appoint the secretary of state. There, So Shapiro's win is hugely critical to the hopes of American democracy surviving in the 2024 presidential election. This was one of the races that I was most worried about, frankly, in the country. Also of note in PA, progressive Democrat Summer Lee appears to have won the U.S. House seat in the 12th U.S. House district, making her the first black woman ever to be elected to congress from the keystone state yay uh and it'll make her another new member of the squad who all appear to have won on tuesday in their respective states and races good more good news in the keystone state democratic voters flipped a dozen seats in the state house of representatives and this is huge too flipping GOP control of the chamber to Democrats for the first time in over a decade. Some red wave, eh? Am I right? Corporate media? Also in Pennsylvania, a number of other firsts. They elected the first Indian American to the uh, Pennsylvania legislature, the first out black lesbian elected to the legislature. Uh, and they elected their first black lieutenant governor, Austin Davis, filling the office that was uh, now being vacated by governor elect Josh Shapiro in New Hampshire. I told you no particular order here in New Hampshire. Democratic Senator Maggie Hassan reportedly defeated Trump endorsed loon and election denier and liar General Don Bulduck. Decisively, uh, she won by almost 10 points as of this hour in what many in the media had told us was going to be a very close race. Turned out, not so much. It was an interesting example in New Hampshire of ticket splitting there, given that the other statewide race for uh, the other statewide race, which is for governor, ended up resulting in the reelection of the Republican governor, Chris Sununu. So this was a stinging loss for Donald Trump, one of many on Tuesday.
0: Yes. And I think the ticket splitting is particularly interesting because I think it shows how voters, at least in the states where it was clearly obvious, like in New Hampshire, mm-hmm. that uh, voters were rejecting the Republican crazy candidates who were threatening democracy. Re-
2: re- uh, rejecting the crazy candidates, but not rejecting the, the Republicans. Normative the idea Republicans. of Yeah, yes. exactly. Uh, Let's move to Ohio, Uh, on the other hand. uh, In Ohio, the Trump-endorsed formerly credible person and author, J.D. Vance, defeated moderate Democrat Tim Ryan uh, in the Buckeye State, where, frankly, Ryan, in my opinion, ran one hell of a campaign. He also gave a hell of a concession speech, speech. Here is a key part of it. I have a privilege right now, a privilege, as someone who was the Democratic nominee. I have the privilege to concede this race to J.D. Vance. Because the way this country operates is that when you lose an election, you concede. And you respect...
1: You respect the will of the people,
2: right? We can't have a system where if you win, it's a legitimate election. And if you lose, someone stole it. That is not how we can move forward in the United States. So that was Tim Ryan conceding to J.D. Vance on Tuesday night. And that race was always a stretch, frankly, given how red Ohio has Swung in recent years, but some, including myself, thought that Ryan might actually pull it off. Uh, like I said, he proved to be a very competitive candidate there. Uh, Ohio, unfortunately, like Florida, may, you know, might really, true, truly now appear to be a lost cause for Democrats. However, not everywhere across the state. In the Buckeye State's ninth congressional district, Democratic Congresswoman Marcy Kaptur, won a Toledo seat decisively by about 13 points in a district that was specifically drawn in order to oust her, which could easily have gone to the Trump-backed candidate, J.R. Majewski. As it turned out, he was another Trump-backed loon. He had claimed to have been in uh, combat in the Iraq War, that he was an Iraq War combat veteran, but as it turns out, in fact, he had never seen combat at all. And Democrats also gained a seat in uh, Ohio in the U.S. House in the first congressional district as Congressman Steve Shabbat, Republican, lost to Greg Landsman by five points in Hamilton County. That's Cincinnati. Now, Fred Gutenberg, whose daughter was murdered at uh, Parkland High School in Florida tweeted about the uh, tweeted about the race, that particular one in the first district on Tuesday night, saying, quote, after my daughter Jamie was murdered, Congressman Shabbat verbally abused my mom, who asked him to do something about gun violence. Seeing that Greg Landsman is likely to flip this seat makes my heart happy tonight, he said. Speaking of Florida, well, it is down to the uh, Sunshine State, which arguably featured the worst news, I think it's fair to say, for Democrats on Tuesday night, where Republican Governor Ron DeSantis and Republican Senator Marco Rubio easily, both of them, won re-election in the formerly swing state, but now perhaps red state, defeating Former Governor Charlie Crist and Congresswoman Val Demings, respectively, in their races. But if it helps to relieve the sting a little, and I don't know that it does, DeSantis's decisive reported win by an extraordinary nearly 20 points in Florida is uh, at least very, very bad news for fellow Florida resident Donald Trump, as much of the talk. Among Republicans last night and today on Fox and elsewhere is whether or not it's time for the party to finally throw Trump over in favor of DeSantis, the younger, less obviously buffoonish Donald Trump. So there's that. Uh, Also, Florida 10, the 10th district of uh, U.S. House District in Florida, Maxwell Alejandro Frost won his election. He is a 25 year old. A progressive who will become the first official Gen Z member of Congress and, we believe, the youngest elected member of the House of Representatives ever at 25 years old. He's a social justice activist. He's an ardent gun reformer. As a uh, March for Our Lives organizer, he ran for Val Deming's seat as she ran but lost for Senate. And on this note, and uh, President Biden uh, referred to this today, uh, John della Volpe, a, uh, a Gen Z author, he tweeted on Tuesday night, quote, One thing I know already, if not for the voters under 30, tonight would have been a red wave. As he added the partisan numbers from the CNN's National House uh, House of Representatives exit poll showing that voters 65 and older, they voted for Republicans by 13 points voters 45 to 64 they voted for Republicans by 11 points the voters however who were 30 to 44 voted for Democrats by 2 and finally those 18 to 29 year olds they voted for Democrats by 28 points De la Volpe added Gen Z did their job. Our friend Will Bunch of the Philadelphia Inquirer noted at the top of his column today that was headlined the day young voters lined up to keep the American Republic for two more years. He said the flame of U.S. democracy was not extinguished in 2022's midterms. Instead, the torch was passed to a new generation. On college campuses and elsewhere, Gen Z and millennials endured long lines to vote in a fight for abortion rights and an America where their ballots will be counted. With their defense of the American experiment, young voters made history.
0: Yes, they did, yes, and they did. Uh, the good news is that uh, Generation Z, Gen Z, outnumbers Boomers as a demographic <laughs> cohort. So that's an important demographic change going forward. Although I believe that Republican-controlled states are going to probably try to find some new pernicious ways to suppress young voters of even course, more. Of course, that's what over they do. It's the, next two the years. only way they
2: can win elections. But I, you know, I thank uh, them as well, the young voters, and I do hope that media will stop bitching about young voters not showing up because they. Do, particularly when they are given a reason to do so. All right, moving to Georgia, boy, uh, then we get to the seemingly eternally critical state of Georgia these days, where incumbent Democratic Senator Reverend Raphael Warnock appears to have outrun Trump's personally selected uh, candidate, former football player, professional liar, and both a abortion opponent and two-time abortion denier, apparently, Herschel Walker. Uh, With more than 95% of the votes tallied, Warnock edged out Walker by less than one point, about 35,000 votes out of nearly 4 million cast, to end up with 49.42% of the vote at last I checked. Defeating Walker, but It is sadly just shy of the 50 percent plus one that would be needed to avoid a runoff in Georgia's system. So Warnock and Walker, unfortunately, will have to square off again on December 6th in a race that yet again may mean that Georgia voters will determine majority control of the U.S. Senate. I hope to God they're not sick of doing that. Also in Georgia, Republican Republican Governor Brian Kemp defeated Stacey Abrams. After a very uh, after very narrowly defeating her four years ago, this time the results were decisive because, as Mother Jones Ari Berman quotes, Note a big reason why Kemp won. So many in the media hailed him as a hero for doing his job and certifying the 2020 election while overlooking his long history of making it harder to vote in the state of Georgia. It also shows that Republicans, uh, well, it should show Republicans that, you know, you don't have to completely kiss up to Donald Trump in order to win. You can you can actually be a terrible person. By your own rights, as Brian Kemp was, and still win a statewide race in the Republican Party without kissing up to Trump. I should also note that Georgia's awful and corrupt secretary of state, Brad Raffensperger, who also benefited, you know, by Democratic voters who were impressed with him basically having no choice but to do the right thing and certifying Joe Biden's victory in 2020. Brad Raffensperger also appears to have won reelection, unfortunately. Let's go to North Carolina. I'm particularly disappointed here, frankly, if not surprised. But Trump backed U.S. Senate candidate Ted Budd defeated former state Supreme Court Justice Sherry Beasley, who would have been had she won the first black senator from North Carolina. That Senate seat will remain in Republican hands following the retirement of Senator Richard Burr. Consolation prize, however, an open GOP seat in North Carolina's 13th congressional district, formerly held by Ted Budd. Well, that flipped to the Democratic climate hawk and state senator Wiley Nickel. Nick uh, Nichols nickel that's right Uh, he defeated Bo Hines the Republican who was uh, recommending that community boards review whether individuals who were raped or were incest victims whether they would be allowed to have an abortion on a case-by-case basis
0: yes have a committee vote yes on what you do with your body in the future of your life
2: that guy lost Thank God. Uh, that was his actual position. Cook had rated that race a GOP-leaning toss-up, but Hines lost, and Democrats picked up that House seat. So, no, not all hope is lost in North Carolina, one of the most evenly divided states in the nation in recent years. But as progressive election watch- watcher uh, Daniel Nishanian noted, he's known as Taniel on Twitter, uh, he reports a huge win. For the GOP, they have flipped the North Carolina Supreme Court, which could in fact be very bad news on several fronts. Will Doran of the Raleigh News and Observer notes, quote, North Carolina split evenly last night, seven to seven in our 14 U.S. House seats. That was using court ordered uh, districts, replacing a GOP drawn map. It would have been 10 to 4 in favor of the GOP, even if uh, 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 Republicans had got less than 50 percent of the vote. But now with the Supreme Court in hand for Republicans, a 10 to 4 map will likely return for 2024. It will have huge implications for redistricting civil rights cases going forward, including uh, likely enabling the GOP to gerrymander the state for 2024. And you say, well, how can that happen? I thought they only did this once every 10 years. <laughs> well, oh, sweet
0: summer child. Well,
2: in fact, uh, in in uh, North uh, Carolina, state law says that any court-drawn maps, and they had the court had ordered these maps redrawn after Republicans tried to gerrymander them. Any court-drawn maps can only be used for one election, and then the legislature gets to try again. So try again they will in 2024, and now they will have a much more friendly state Supreme Court, unfortunately. Uh, Now let's get to the M states. Uh, they're they're grouped together for a reason. We have not been going in alphabetical order, but I grouped the, Mar- the uh, M states together for a reason, starting with Maryland. Democratic candidate Wes Moore was elected as the state's first black governor and only the nation's third black elected governor. In American history, he defeated Trump-endorsed loon Dan Cox. Wes Moore is also a climate champion, I am told.
0: Yes. Yes, he is.
2: Uh, And he retakes the governor's mansion for Democrats after eight years of Republican control in the otherwise Democratic-leaning state of Maryland, winning trifecta control in the state, with uh, Democratic majorities now in the state's House, Senate, and governorship in Maryland. Speaking of climate champions in M states, Massachusetts Attorney General Maura Healey will become the state's first female governor and the state's first openly gay governor. As A.G., she filed a major lawsuit against big oil companies for decades of lies that they told about climate change. If I'm remembering that correctly, you are
0: remembering that correctly. That it's a violation of state law for the the companies to lie to the public about climate change, and she's suing them for damages to pay for the disasters that have been wrought by climate impacts.
2: As in Maryland, Healy turns uh, Massachusetts governor's mansion from red to blue after eight years for the record as cnn's dan dale noted she defeated gop candidate jeff deal or dial don't know he said in uh, mid-2021 that the 2020 election certainly wasn't stolen but then he said it didn't know if it was stolen and then by 2022 he was saying it was absolutely stolen that guy lost Healy's victory means that the Democrats will win a trifecta in Massachusetts as well. Some red wave, eh? In the great state of Michigan, Democratic Governor Gretchen Whitmer defeated Trump-endorsed right-wing commentator Tudor Dixon. Did I mention it was a very bad night for the former president? Uh, But a mostly great night for democracy and in what appears to have been the best, broadest sweep of an entire state on Tuesday, Democrats appear to have swept the state legislature in Michigan for the first time in 40 years. Yay. In other words, flipping that state Senate from red to blue for the first time since 1983, adding more victories on top of Whitmer's hold. There was Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson, a Democrat. She won. She held off a challenge from Republican Christina Caramo, who claims to have personally witnessed voter fraud in action during the 2020 contest. Also holding the line was Attorney General Dana Nessel. Democrat who prevailed over Matt DiPerno to win another term as Attorney General. DiPerno, the Trump backed GOP candidate uh, to be the state's top law enforcement official, well, he is being criminally investigated himself by a special counsel in Michigan. Special prosecutor for breaching voting system tabulators in various townships in the state in the spring of uh, 2021, part of a, a search that he and other right wingers were conducting in several different states to find any evidence to support Trump's big lie that the 2020 election was stolen from him. Democrats held on to the Michigan State Supreme Court as well, and they saw victory for an amendment protecting abortion access there. Regarding flipping the state to Democratic, TPM's Josh Marshall noted, quote, this is a big deal for many reasons, but a key one is no independent state legislature nonsense in Michigan going into 2024. And if you don't understand that reference, Please go to bradblog.com and look up Moore v. Harper for the upcoming Supreme Court case that could well end electoral democracy as we know it in this nation. Seriously, I'm sure we'll be talking about that one again soon. Uh, Sadly, yes. In the uh, fourth M state to uh, win a trifecta that had another huge night for Democrats on Tuesday after Maryland, Massachusetts and Michigan. Minnesota also achieves full Democratic control of state government in the state House, Senate and Governor's mansion. As Governor Tim Waltz pushed back a challenge from Republican Scott Jensen, who lost by about eight points after running on the GOP's so-called law and order message in the state where police officers murdered George Floyd back in 2020. Uh, Let's go to Kansas here, where Democrats also had a big victory in a deep red state. Democratic Governor Laura Kelly now appears to have held off a challenge from a Trump-backed Republican. At the same time, Less good news out of Kansas for those who do give a damn about democracy and voting rights and telling the truth and such. Longtime election liar and GOP voter fraud fraudster, Kansas's former secretary of state, Chris Kobach, Uh, after losing the governor's race four years ago to Laura Kelly and a Republican Senate nomination contest for U.S. Senate two years ago, well, Chris Kobach has finally achieved his comeback. He won on Tuesday to become Kansas's Attorney General, mm. despite being sanctioned by a federal court while he was Secretary of State for lying in court and for being so incompetent as an attorney representing the state that he was actually ordered by the judge to take law school classes As part of his sanctions. Now, for some reason, Kansas voters have made him their top law enforcement official, embarrassingly enough. Uh, Sadly, in Wisconsin, Incumbent Republican Senator Ron Johnson defeated Democratic Lieutenant Governor Mandela Barnes in what would have been a critical pickup for the U.S. Senate for Democrats. Barnes was another excellent candidate, in my opinion. Nonetheless, he fell just shy of knocking off one of the worst, most dishonest and corrupt Republican senators and Trump allies uh, in the Senate uh, on the Senate ballot this year. In better news in the Badger State, Democratic Governor Tony Evers defeated uh, the election liar. Tim Michaels, uh, Mother Jones Ari Bur- uh, Berman, said that Ever Evers has been the last line of defense for democracy in Wisconsin against the ultra-gerrymandered GOP state legislature. He has vetoed dozens of voter suppression measures, by that gerrymandered uh, state legislature, and luckily, we'll be able to continue to do so. Meanwhile, the Wisconsin GOP, they came up just shy of winning a supermajority in both houses of that wildly gerrymandered state house. So, holding the line in uh, Wisconsin as well, that's good news. In New York, good news for the state's governor Kathy Hochul. She won her first full term as governor after ascending to the governor's mansion following the resignation of Andrew Cuomo.
0: Making her the first woman ever actually elected by voters in New York to be governor.
2: Which is incredible after yes. all of these years. Anyway, any event, she defeated Lee Zeldin in a race that Republicans had actually convinced themselves they might win. They didn't. He lost by about six points in the failed bid to become the first Republican elected statewide in 20 years. Though Republicans did pick up a number of U.S. House seats in the Empire State thanks to the Supreme Court there blocking the re- redistricting attempts by Democrats, which I hope to talk a little bit more about on tomorrow's program in Maine. Oh, I do like this one. Democratic Governor Janet Mills defeated perhaps the dumbest previous governor in U.S. Hist- history history. That would be, my friend, the Republican doofus and Trump before Trump became Trump, Paul LePage. Hmm. Uh, Janet Mills was Maine's attorney general before running to replace Paul LePage in 2018. She quickly said about undoing many of his executive actions, uh, including expanding Maine's Medicare program, which LePage had restricted. In Oregon, uh, it looks like a squeaker, but it looks like Oregon's Democratic uh, nominee for governor, Tina Kotek, will retain the party's 36-year-old hold on the governorship in that state and would be one of the nation's first openly gay governors if she ends up winning, as local media have begun projecting as of this afternoon. It's still a very close race. There's a lot of mail-in vote that is still out, with an independent candidate sort of siphoning votes away from the two major party candidates in a race which still could end up going to the Republican Given how close the margin remains at this hour, less than two points with just about 70 percent of the vote tallied, much less good news in Arkansas, where Sarah Huckabee Sanders, the daughter of the former uh, Arkansas Governor Mike Huckabee uh, and an unapologetic Trump administration liar as press secretary, Sarah Huckabee Sanders. She becomes the next governor of Arkansas, proving yet again that there is no actual price to be paid for being an unapologetic liar in American politics, at least in the South. In Colorado, incumbent Democratic Senator Michael Bennett won reelection easily in his race there on Tuesday. Also in Colorado, what would be a huge surprise if it happens In what the New York Times described as a race that Republicans expected to win easily in the House, that would be GOP wingnut and gunnut Congresswoman Laura Boebert. She is currently losing to Democratic challenger Adam Frisch, but it is by less than one point. There's more than 95 percent of the vote has been tallied, but it would still be a stunner if she lost. It does look possible at this hour it is almost as if conventional wisdom should have been ignored entirely or something this year. <laughs> uh, in, uh, in Virginia, a couple of Democrats who were in, uh, in threatened districts, including Congresswoman Abigail Spanberger and Jennifer Wexton, both held on to their uh, to their seats, to their closely divided swing uh, seats. Elaine Luria, on the other hand, member of the House January 6th Committee, she appears to have lost her race to Republican Jen Kiggins. In Texas, Governor Greg Abbott easily defeated former Congressman Beto O'Rourke to win a third term in the Lone Star State, where no Democrat has won a statewide election in nearly 30 years. And in Oklahoma... Uh, Governor Kevin Stitt, Republican, won re election over Democrat Joy Hoffmeister, who appeared to have an upset opportunity at one point, and that would have been a huge upset in a deep red state like Oklahoma. But alas, it was not close in the end. However, our friend Taniel, again, Daniel Nashanian, does note that Democrats won the district attorney race in Oklahoma County against a conservative Republican who vowed to drop charges against police officers, against five police officers who shot and killed a 15-year-old. And the candidate said, quote, I would have shot him myself. And he said that during a debate. Uh, he, uh, He said this is a doozy of a race, and that guy lost to a Democrat. In Oklahoma on Tuesday. So there's that, even in Oklahoma. And yes, worst red wave ever. (laughs) Or best red wave ever. Depends
0: on your perspective.
2: You decide. More on that, not red wave. I suspect, coming in the days ahead on the Bradcast. But we must get out. Uh, my thanks to our producer, Tessie Doyne, to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. If you missed any portion of today's program or any other, download them anytime for free at bradblog.com. You, uh, oh, my thanks to those of you who stopped by bradblog.com slash donate to make everything we do possible over your public airwaves. Thank you. Drop me an email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. On the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am the BradBlog. We'll see you there until we see you here next time, I suspect with more midterm coverage as we learn what the hell is going on. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world.